hours to go on Wesson Walker at Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. And we are here to remind you about the Jack Daniels Doghouse being open for business. Charlotte FC Major League Soccer is now in season. The Doghouse doors will open up three hours before every home match. So stop by, get ready for kickoff with some of your favorite friends. Join us for the pregame and postgame parties at the Jack Daniels Doghouse coming to you live from the Audi Charlotte studio and brought to you by Jack Daniels Pepsi empowered by the Garage Door Guru text line only from Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ the exclusive home of the Charlotte sports fans. Speaking of that text line you can dial 704 570-9610. I wanted to get to quite a bit of text messages. One thing we've been doing the last couple of days, we have been throwing a barrage of questions at you, the listener, and then you answer however you want to. We're doing about three different shows at once. And so we're doing the three-man weave on a fast break on the basketball court. Mm-hmm. And so we're bringing a lot of these questions here to the airwaves. There's a video that Wes wants to do, but he also doesn't want us to tell the people what kind of video we're going to do this week. People have thrown in their guesses. And then that led to somebody saying Wes wants to shoot for a calendar released by WFNZ. That led me to ask the question, what month would Fiddy be? 330 number said Fiddy would be April as the April's Fool. So I like that. Fiddy, you could just be the April's Fool for <laughs> why, this calendar. Why, why is the one that of all the, all the ones where they had like me and as a pumpkin? No, I was going to read that one too, but it, I just like the April it's Fool It's me one. being a fool. That's the one that you approve of. You know what? Here, You're sit on Zesta. that, buddy. I just got flipped off. Fiddy got mad at me. Um, <laughs> the April Fool I like, but I do like you as a pumpkin. You know what? If you want to be a pumpkin, that's totally fine as well. That's what Mike from Florida City said. You can do that as well. Um, also, Cam tweets things wrote in as far as the guest that he had for the video we're going to release. Just joined, so I don't know what you're talking about. So I'm just going to go with hot dog eating contest. Who, <laughs> who would win a hot dog eating contest me? between all three of us? You're, you're just zero question asked. Really? Well, I don't know, Walker. I mean, all three of us can eat, I'm sure. Yeah. But Walker, I don't know, man. You said I can eat a lot. Some dude. things you've said, it, I think it'd be close. I, I think I'm it would gonna, too. I'm gonna, I'm gonna walk that back a little bit. Now, I for some reason I jumped out the. I jumped off. You were confident. Yeah. You were really confident. Hot dogs. I feel like you could win. Not the biggest hot dog guy. Really, I, you give off big Lizzie vibes. <laughs> I'm not a big Lizzie guy. Really? Mm. I one time ate six at Flounder's sixth grade birthday party. It's the first time I ever went over to his house. And then we went ding-dong ditching like degenerate sixth graders. 100%. Went back to the house, threw up all in the bathroom, and I heard the F word for the first time ever in my life from his dad. Yeah, because he was mad at you for throwing up all over the place. Mm -hmm. That glizzy got to you as you were (laughs) a heathen out there running all through the neighborhood. Yeah, I'm not a big, not a huge hot dog guy, but I can eat a couple. wings. And, uh, wings now, I can put down a ton of chicken wings. I bet a lot of people can. Let's do it. They just don't even fill me up, to be honest with you. Chicken wings just keep going at it. Just don't stop. Wow. Maybe some ranch dressing. If we do the hot dog eating contest, would we do the whole take the wiener out of the buns <laughs> and then put it in the water <laughs> and then eat it like yeah, Joey Chestnut? I watch it every year, man. I watch that every year. Why? Yeah. Because it's just entertaining, man. It's so that's why they put it on every year because people watch it. I think, the, and then I love to hear what they eat when they come up to the stage, when they go down all the contests. Of the fried things. asparagus eating champion yeah, of the world. Yeah, yeah. Why is aspar- asparagus is one that gets thrown out there a lot? Yeah, they they do like matzo balls and meatballs and just all types of stuff that they have these absurd records. I even watched, you know, like back when MTV used to do the True Life. 
and they had yes. one with Kobayashi and um, what's the name? Like Just they had competitive eaters uh, on it, and it was crazy to see him go to a. Uh, he went to a Chinese restaurant like for practice. I saw that Joey Chestnut. They were asking him what his day is like the morning of a contest, and specifically the Coney Island hot dog eating contest. He would say, "I'd get a cup of coffee." I would drink, I think, a gallon of water, maybe two, but he would mm-hmm. drink a lot of water, and that was it. He wouldn't eat for two days, but he still needed a, or a day and a half or something like that, but he'd still work on expanding his stomach, yeah. drinking some coffee for and the caffeine. Did a, and they did 30 for 30 on uh, Kobayashi and Joey Chestnut, and, and it I, was good. Yes, I have. I only saw like half of it. it what I saw good, was man. great. I need to watch all yeah. of it. Um, so 804 number said, triple jump with laughing emoji. <laughs> Believe it or not, I triple jumped one time for my high school track team, uh-huh. and it was awful. Mm. Triple jump is something serious, man. Because the the guy that was on the team who would go to UNC Asheville and, and partake in their track team, he was out. And so they needed somebody to do the triple jump, and so mm. they asked me to do it. I mean, I barely got to the sand pit. And you talk about barely getting to the sand pit, yeah. right? So they have different markers to where you can jump off from, and then that kind of measures how many feet you have to get to the pit. Well, I had to go to the one closest to the sand pit, and I still would barely even get in there. And you have mm. to land on both feet. It's like the broad jump. You can't fall down. So it was pretty embarrassing. But you said you had one year of track that you participated in? Mm-hmm. My ninth grade, yeah. Uh, again, like I said, it was just I played basketball. I did track that year, and I did football. It was just too much. I hated being in school every day. The track was fun, though, because it was so lax. It wasn't for me. I, I didn't want to be at school every day. I mean, it was like every time a day would come out where people would be home chilling and I got to be going to school to do something, I, I wasn't here for it. All right, the final thing for me is Fitty did tell us a pretty impressive athletic feat. We were talking about long-distance running. He said that's what he did, running track in high school. Was it your last two years, Fitty, or was it just every single year that you were in high school? Uh, I ran track my soft, sophomore year of high school, if I remember correctly, and that was it because I, I was told, quote, get off your ass and do something, so I went and <laughs> ran track with a couple of my buddies, but uh-huh. I mean, I really competed in the mile, and I got it down, but one time under five minutes. That's crazy. Like, that's very good. Under five minutes, Josh Fitty Marlowe, that's really impressive. I guarantee you were getting some points for your team in the track competition. Yeah, but I do want you to know that I tanked the the qualifying round to go to, to regionals because I was over it. Like, I, I didn't want to go waste another weekend running. You can never get mad at anybody else not playing well Seriously. or giving up. You're talking if, about Lamar Jackson. Yeah, he gave up. You are Lamar. No. You're worse. You gave yeah. up on your team. No, they needed you. It was... But yeah, remember in track when you get to that stuff, it's all individual. So if you're not doing it for your team, and I was like, I don't care anymore. Like I want to sit on my ass, eat potato chips, and watch television. I want people to roast wow. you on the text line seven zero four five seven zero ninety six ten. Roast Josh Fitty Marlowe for giving up on his track team in high school because they could have used those points. Maybe you would have won conference. Let's get to the NFL <laughs> draft combine because. Yes. The big topic surrounding the Combine, before we actually get there, people love to call it the Underwear Olympics. That is a cliche take you are going to hear quite a bit. And then there is different measures of value that different people will hold into it, Mm -hmm. whether it be GMs, scouts, the average fan. They broadcast this event because there are a lot of eyeballs on this thing. Like, it's become a week-long event. And what I love about the Draft Combine that is held in Indianapolis every year 
that all of the scouts and all the decision makers that show up in Naptown, they always just talk and they start spewing out rumors of where a lot of trades get done. Yeah. It's where a lot of interesting information is passed on from one authority figure to the other. You go to St. Elmo's, you start drinking a little bit. You're a little loosey goosey with some tight lipped information. That's what I love about the combine, but you're also seeing some of the athletes perform in athletic testing events. And Wes, it gets guys drafted pretty high. Mm -hmm. Like it helps out a lot of people how much merit do you put into good combine performances and bad combine performances? Uh, you know, it has to go with the tape. You know, if a guy comes in and he's a top prospect and he performs as such, then I think it goes a long way. Um, and then, you know, if a guy comes in and he's a workout warrior, I don't fall for that. Um, I, I've never been enamored with a guy that I didn't think was that great of a player that comes in and has a crazy workout. I'm just like, okay, you know, he had a crazy workout. So, uh, but I think, you know, for me, it lends itself a lot to guys who are very productive in college and then come in there and show and prove. Because I think it also shows a level of professionalism when you come in there and, you know, you're ready to rock and roll. You're putting up good times. And it, it just shows you ready, man. I put a decent amount of stock into it. You know, I, I go back to Marty Herney would tell the story on air and he would discuss how there was one time he decided not to draft Anquan Bolden. Because his 40 time was so yeah, slow. He ran like a 4 8. It was man. bad. It yeah. was real bad. And that's how he fell. And then Bolden, his rookie year, steps onto the football field and is amazing. Yeah. I believe Carolina took Bruce Nelson that year. And Marty's like, yeah, you know, that was a tough one. With, with, <laughs> with, with an Anquan, right? I mean, he would be yeah. honest, and he's talked about this before. And so there are times where guys can get fooled because of a bad combine performance. Mm -hmm. And that's baked into the cake. But I do roll my eyes at people saying, you can't take a lot of merit out of this because there are some stars that can be born from great combine performances that for whatever reason scheme in college didn't get along with the coach right you had somebody else that was a higher draft prospect and so they got your minutes a little bit more so and in college you just never got the opportunity for whatever reason or for, for whatever right like there's a lot of different reasons as to why you didn't have crazy production at the college level the ideal candidate has production, crazy stats, and an awesome combine performance. Mm -hmm. Brian Burns being one that we can talk about here in Carolina. We can do that sort of thing with some of the first-round picks. But, for I mean, a Max Crosby is somebody that comes to mind, right? Where awesome athletic testing. If we're talking about shuttle run. I forget exactly what specific drills he knocked out of the park. But Crosby is one of the best pass rushers in all the NFL. A position where you need to be pretty damn athletic in order to be a pass rusher. Crosby showed it, but it's not like he was one of the guys out there being a top five, top 10, top 15, but made the Raiders look pretty damn good, right? So I think you can win in a lot of these drills where you can show, hey, I I've got the ability. Mm -hmm. If you interview me, which a lot of interviews are going down at this rate too, right? You feel like I got a good head on my shoulders, whatever you deem that is, some of the ridiculous questions they ask you. And then you like my athletic profile, even if I only got what four sacks this past season, those guys can come in and contribute in the NFL. Yeah, they can. So what are some of like your, do you watch it through and through, or do you have specific drills or things that you tune into? Or what would I, what would your, let's say top three position specific yeah. drills be? Like um, what position and what drill? The 40 is number one. Okay. For all positions? Yeah. Well, I mean... And it, the maybe, specialists, I don't really tune in for. I well, like specialists. If you're just asking entertainment value, it's 40. I mean, yeah, yeah like I am i don't know if I'm dropping an offensive lineman 
like a guard or an interior lineman because his 40 is so bad. There are some pretty stud tackles out there that have tested crazy in yeah. the combine. Tristan Wirfs is one of them. Yeah. And, and so there, there's some athletic testing to suggest, hey, you want to take a shot at one of these guys, it'll pan out for you. But on the other side, someone like Orlando Brown, who fell because his combine performance was awful, mm -hmm. but was awesome in college and a pretty damn good player in the NFL, as we saw protect the blind side of one Pat Mahomes in the Super Bowl. So you got to try to figure it out either you didn't way. Give me three. Well, entertaining value. I'm talking about 40. Okay. Um, I'll check out the verticals. I mean, okay. seeing some, yeah. and then broad jump. That's I want to see the explosive okay. events. Yeah. Those are the most fun to watch. Are there any in any any and all positions? Pretty much, yeah. yeah. I would say, you know, with the sheer athleticism of some of the players now, O-line, D-line, 40s have become more of an event now because you do get some really freakish times. That will probably be um, – I'll put that probably two. I still like to see the skill guys, the running backs, wide receivers run a 40. That will probably be my one because mm -hmm. I want to see – and the DBs. And then as far as like position-specific drills, I do like the one um, – I like the one the receivers do where they go through and they catch. So they're looking at a whole bunch of different throwers. They the catch yeah. from different sides and they have to sprint out. But I like the one where uh, with the DBs where they backpedal mm -hmm. and then they have to swivel one way, swivel the right and uh, another way. Uh, and they keep doing it down the field and then they throw them a deep ball to catch it. So that one. And then I guess a runner, runner up would be the quarterback deep ball. Uh, drills where they're throwing it to the receivers and trying to get uh, you know accurate passes. Let's touch on that just for a moment. Yes. Bryce Young not participating in the throwing part mm -hmm. of this segment. So you do have C.J. Stroud, you do have Will Levis and Anthony Richardson all participating. If I'm not mistaken, throwing the football. Yes. Bryce Young not going to be participating. Mm -hmm. He has some things to lose here because he is so small mm -hmm. and he is going to be measured as somebody shorter than six foot. Mm -hmm. He's going to be someone measured at possibly below 200 pounds. The dude is tiny and I'm not just throwing that to the wayside. I understand the lack of precedent here. Mm -hmm. The fact that he, can he take a beating in the NFL seeing over the line? I don't really care about as much Alabama offensive line. You and I both have talked about that yeah. did just fine, but taking the beating like that kind of matters. But he's not going to be participating in even in the throwing drills. He's going to be doing it in his own environment, pro day over at Alabama. How big of a deal is that to you? And just how much do you think some of these quarterbacks can gain or lose ground during the athletic testing process of this offseason? Uh, not much. I mean, Bryce Young, we know that we know his pedigree. We know what he's done in college. Heisman Trophy winner, dominated in the SEC, won a national championship. So, you know, his rep is signed, sealed, certified. There's not much I need to see from him. I know his pro day workout is going to be fantastic. Um, and sure. even yet and still, even if it is, that doesn't mean much to me either. I know what he can do on tape. I know about his escapability. I know about his accuracy. I know his story that he's been a prodigious talent since he was a kid. People just kind of gave him a tough time because of his size. And this is just yet another level that he's going to deal with the same questions and the same things from people, the same detractors. So for me, Bryce Young can really do no wrong. He's going to go top two or three. And I don't, and I think he's going to go one. And I don't think there's any question about it. You're cool with some of the perceived problems surrounding Bryce Young. So is Greg Cosell, who also had this My to man, say I love about the Alabama QB. Then you'll look at someone like Bryce Young, who I think is a terrific, terrific football player. I think the way he plays the position is high level. But he's going to be 5'11", 5'11 and a half, maybe 200 pounds. So is he an outlier? Is he an exception? 
But then you put the tape on, and, and first of all, if you meet the kid, the kid is absolutely special. Um, and I've met the kid, and I know know the parents. The kid's unbelievable. But how do you deal with 5'11", maybe 198 pounds? You know, that's a that, that will be a discussion in draft rooms. And I'm not saying he won't be drafted high because the tape is so, so good in all areas. He knows how to play quarterback. He changed plays at the line of scrimmage. He understands defense. He understands everything. How much does the size of Bryce Young worry you? You can text us, share your thoughts, 704-570-9610. When we come back, we'll continue to talk about Carolina, the running back position, take a look at some of the mock drafts out there. That could be happening. Who knows? you got to tune in to find out. Wesson Walker Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. back and doing work word to cool modi that legendary classic rap track right there all right i remember that from nba superstars video i can't i don't remember which person i think it might have been hakeem olajuwon well i just think of love and basketball is what i think of that's that's the thing i think of most when they're doing the highlight montage of omar epps yeah playing that's what i think oh yeah so yeah we're back the weston walker show sports radio 92.7 wfnz Garage Door Guru text line 704-570-9610. Hit up our socials, Wes and Walker on Twitter. Hit up the WFNZ Twitter and the WFNZ Instagram page. And uh, I've set in motion what we're going to try to get done this week for the people. I've, I've uh, sent the email off to the proper party to see if we can get this thing in motion. And we should have a treat for the people if uh, things go well. The problem is, I, I know Fiddy is the one overly talking about how he doesn't want to do this. Uh-huh. I'm not thrilled, but now the thing is you're going after different people. You're asking them to take time out of their day to help mm-hmm. us. So now I just look like a jerk if I don't participate. Yeah, yeah. And so now you guys fitting, have to understand the greater good, man. The social media is the, is the thing. Now we got to, you know, then he's got to do it too. I mean, if you're yeah, going to get people, it, he's no, doing it. He's yep. doing it. No, 100%. I don't. He's doing it. You can't make me do something. <laughs> I have it. rights, damn it. And if I say no, mm. no means no. No, you can't. No, he's you don't. It. Yeah, he's doing it. Yeah. Anyway, uh, <laughs> as we come back in, let's go back to this running back conversation. What can the Panthers do if they need to do anything? Now, we talked about a way for them to, you know, be able to address it as far as paying. We saw the market value for Deontay Foreman at $3.4 million. We talked about maybe addressing it through the draft. We talked about guys who may be available on day two, Jameer Gibbs, Sean Tucker, dual threat running backs that can catch the ball out of the backfield, have the speed to get away from guys. You know, but is the running back for the Panthers attack and what they want to do based off what we know so far, is it already here on the roster? The first two downs are already accounted for. Who is taking you to the promised land on third down? That's mm-hmm. what we're discussing. And if you want to do the pro football focus grade, both guys, Deontay Foreman and Chuba Hubbard, they graded out pretty damn well. Mm-hmm. 30 out of 60, so average, I guess, quite literally, if you're Deontay Foreman. And Chuba Hubbard graded out at 22 out of 60 different halfbacks measured by PFF. And those are guys that only help by running the football, Mm -hmm. which I think makes it more impressive. It goes to show you just what kind of impact they have if you just stick that football right in their chest and hand it to them in the backfield rather than throwing it to them even five, ten yards in front of the line of scrimmage, and they're still being pretty effective. So I like them. 
Can Blackshear be that guy for you? Had a 70 overall grade. Fine enough. I, I like Blackshear. I think special teams, he can help you as well. But it wouldn't hurt, in my opinion, to go out and draft somebody a little more dynamic. Who's the Who's the player hitting the home run? Who's the player that can go a wheel route out of the backfield and you throw and you feel very good about it? I think that's the kind of running back that I want to see here on the Panther roster. And even with Blackshear doing some nice things, I, I, I was pleasantly surprised. I thought he had a, a decent impact when he entered um, the game and, and and some of those instances, but I'd like to get somebody a little more dynamic than what you have on the roster right now. Now, if you do get somebody that's more dynamic, do you think they could come in and take the job? Because like I said, when we talk about some of these guys, I mean, are you, because one thing about when you have multiple backs, especially now with them having two guys that both do the same thing, do you feel like it makes the offense predictable in any sort of way to where, okay, I know a foreman's in there. They're probably going to run it or he's going to be blocking for a pass at best, which frees up the linebackers to go do what they want to do because they're not worried about him. Or do you, you know, are you okay with that? No, I I do think that you're predictable with these running backs on the field. I mean, because you could go play action and I'd like to see that a little bit more if Deontay Foreman is in the backfield, but that guy had five receptions last year. Chuba Hubbard, only he had less than a 60 receiving grade, and we've seen him drop quite a bit. I mean, the drop passes as infrequently as he's targeted. The fact that I you feel like Chuba is dropping a lot of the footballs thrown his way, you know, that's a problem. Even even if I, I think he actually kind of outperformed my expectations as the season went on. And so, yeah, I, I would like to get someone that is absolutely more of a receiving threat. So you can start to play action pass off of Deontay Foreman snaps, right? Maybe you could give the handoff to one of your smaller running backs that you're wanting to be that receiving threat, right? Like now you can start to integrate that kind of passing attack and uh, offensive scheme with some guys that can do different things. And remember, Wes, you brought it up too. Deuce Staley said he kind of wants to use three running backs, Mm -hmm. not just two, but he said three. That's the number he posed out there. If that's the case, okay, you got Deontay, you got Chuba, physical runners, you save their body a little bit by, you know, having them share the, the carries on first and second down. I love that, to be honest with you. And then you bring somebody else in and third down, and then you can start to, you know, be sneaky with the kind of the stuff that I just talked about. So I, I think that would play out very well, would be very high on drafting a running back with that kind of ability. Now you talk about Deuce Staley and what he said that he would prefer in his room. What do you feel like that he's going to bring to this team? Because off what I saw on hard knocks, he is a very intense coach. Um, he's going to be very in your face with these guys. He's going to uh, not only ask for the best out of these guys, but he's going to demand it. And that's the thing about him is that he is a very demanding coach. We saw the running back game in Detroit. They had a pretty stout group there when you talk about Williams and him breaking uh, the Lions' uh, single-season record for rushing touchdowns. Uh, we saw DeAndre Swift. You know, he came in the game and he ran hard. He never quite – He hasn't quite materialized to what the Lions thought and what a lot of people thought he would be coming out of Georgia, but he's still a very serviceable back. But what do you think that Deuce Staley is going to bring to this crew? Yeah, 
I think Deuce Staley is is someone that is going to bring that intensity because I saw a video circulating on social media where his voice ran out. I think maybe Michael Rimmer put it out there, but it was uh, mm-hmm. it was him losing his voice and still trying to be as intense as possible. And it's like I'm not going to clown him. Um, I'm not going to make those jokes. Not to his face. Not behind his back. I'm still going to go out there and run through a brick wall despite you having lost your voice. And so I think that is something that Deuce Staley can bring. But also, I wonder. I don't think it's going to be overlooked. But you did lose running back coach Jeff Nixon, who was the play caller after you fired Joe Brady. And I think he did a pretty nice job. If we oftentimes give credit to the coaches at a position where the players performed, like Deontay Foreman, like Chuba Hubbard, and you don't have that guy. You know, it, it usually, I like Deuce Staley a lot. I think that is a very good hire if you're going to lose Nixon. But he did a good job with the running backs last season. And so the fact that he's elsewhere and he was somebody that helped you not really miss a beat when Christian McCaffrey was traded, mm-hmm. you know? So just interesting there. I think Staley's going to be just fine. I think he has potential to be better even, you know, if, if the personnel is better at that spot too, and Scott Fitterer gives him better pieces, but yeah, just something interesting to think of Jeff Nixon, a running back coach that did a good job, no longer here. Yeah. So do you, um, do you see any other free agent targets or did you have anybody else in mind that maybe, could help the Panthers running game. I mean, like I said, we talked about Montgomery. There's no way they would touch Saquon or Josh Jacobs. I mean, Tony Pollard would be crazy for what the Panthers. I think he would almost be, well, I think all three of the top backs would be the optimum of what the Panthers would need. And I think Miles Sanders is a pretty decent receiver as well. But, I mean, this is a good running back free agent class. You'd like to think that the Giants probably franchise Saquon. I don't know what the Raiders plan on doing with Josh Jacobs, but um, I mean, these are some really good backs at the top of this class, but I think the Panthers would just be a little bit too strapped from a cash standpoint to make a play on any of these guys. Well, the problem is the, the, the game is rigged against running backs in the NFL. It just kind of is like that because you look at these free agents, They're 26 years old, a lot of them are. Miles Sanders, David Montgomery, Tony Pollard, right? All of these guys, Josh Jacobs is 25, Saquon is 26. And if you look at the drop-off for running backs, a lot of people will say it's 30. Man, 28 can even be that number. So how long is the contract first and foremost? Do you want to be the team that gives somebody, if they're 26, Mm -hmm. then do you want to be the team that gives a running back a four-year contract? And I know that you can get out of it talking about different guarantees and whatnot, but that's just not the route I want to go. You know, Wes, somebody wrote into the tab blue, good old blue wrote in Hmm. to the text line. He said, why are y'all talking as if they have Foreman? He might not even be here. That's true. So they got to bring Deontay Foreman back, but if they do, I don't think it's going to be at a high cost. He is clearly going to be the, the mauler in between the tackles. And I would be down with drafting someone as that dynamic position rather than going out and paying a decent amount of money. So, you know, honestly, Wes, no matter who you throw at me, as far as the bigger names out there, mm-hmm. and it's a pretty interesting class at the spot, I'm just not paying any of these guys. Um, it, just because of the way that the NFL works, I just find more value drafting a running back and having him play right away. Okay, I got a couple of interesting uh, wild card okay. guys for you. Let's hear it. What about one Kareem Hunt? Average annual salary projections at $7 million per season. He would be definitely what you're looking for when you're talking about a dual threat running back. What would you say about him 
at a $7 million mark. Is that a little too rich for your blood? Yes, and he's 28. He's the oldest one here. Remember, because the video was circulating around him kicking a woman in a hotel lobby, he was released by Kansas City. And mm -hmm. so his contract situation is a little bit different where he was on a deal a little bit longer, and now he's a little bit older hitting the free agent market than a lot of the other names that we've brought up. So, yeah, I think it probably is. And I love Kareem Hunt on the field, by the way. I think that guy is awesome to have Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt on the team at the same time. Remember how we were talking about Kareem when he was in Kansas City? Yeah. The dude is awesome after contact. He is great in the receiving game, and they used him a lot like that kind of receiving running back in Cleveland. I just, it, okay, 28 years old, am I paying $7.5 When, again, it's a little interesting, too, with Carolina being so up against the cap. They're restructuring a lot of deals, and they're not even done, right? I expect Suleiman, the capologist for Carolina, to keep going to work financially mm -hmm. to try to free up as much money as possible. So do you want, as a cap-strapped team, to go after a running back as high-profile as Kareem Hunt, Miles Sanders, Montgomery, whoever, or would you rather spend that money elsewhere? I take the latter. All right, so a couple of other guys. So I do think that Kareem Hunt, he would be a good pickup, but I do think $7 million with the cap situation that the Panthers are in, he would be a great fit from a scheme standpoint. But, uh, you know, I'm not sure at that price point. Now, a little bit cheaper as we go down the line, Devin Singletary from the Buffalo Bills, they have him listed as an average annual salary of 5.5. .5. So I think that's right at the sweet spot for what you're looking for. And when you look at the type of season that he had in an offense that wasn't that good at running the football, but he was able to uh, put up good numbers last season. And when you talk about him putting up uh, 819 rushing yards, had 280 receiving, six total touchdowns, I think he could be a good value for what the Panthers might be looking for. What say you? Yeah, I, I think if you're talking about Devin Singletary – being on this team for five million compared to Kareem at seven. Yeah. I depending on how long the contract is, you know, it might be worth it to go after Kareem instead of Devin. Because Kareem is a better running back. We can agree on that, right? Like yes. Kareem Hunt is better overall. Mm -hmm. So if you're talking about a two or three year deal, if these guys would agree to it, then maybe Kareem would be the answer if you're comparing him to a Singletary. But, you know, you are talking about a guy that can catch the football out of the backfield, basically sitting right at 40 receptions each of the last three seasons. The problem is Buffalo just never really used him as that guy consistently. You know, 40 is is not a ton, right? Like, it, it's not a ton of passes that he's catching, and maybe you do find well, that 40, he has that ability. Yeah, that's that's pretty solid for a running back. Yeah, but it, yeah, that that's solid. But you're talking about some of these other main receiving role running backs that can reach beyond that. But yeah, you're right. Like 40s 40s not bad. Yeah, I mean, if my offense is humming and I have two really good receivers, a solid tight end, like 40 from my back, I'll I'll live with that all day. So if you if you feel like that's worth five million, it's it's not an awful deal. I'd probably look elsewhere, but it's not awful. I think you bring him down here because, like I said, Buffalo their setup is a little different. They're in the gun a lot. Uh, they like to run a lot out of that. Their their running game is primarily focused on Josh Allen and what he can do. I think him coming down here to Carolina with the way they like to run the ball. Uh, I think he would be a really good fit. So are are you paying Deontay too? Like this is. You're paying Deontay and Singletary or another one of these guys that you're talking about? Okay, well let's 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 paint the scenario because we, we talked about the the text that said that he's not on the roster. So let's say he gets 
a deal. He wants similar type of money. So let's say they each equal playing field because I think that even though his projected is three four, he could ask for four or five. Oh yeah, for sure. Second half of the season that he had. Let's just say he's not on the roster yet, and you're looking at guys, and you bring in, uh, you know, Singletary for a visit. You know, he hits you with the the Ricky Rowe from Blue Chips. He's like, look, I'm looking for this, I'm looking for that, and if you can provide that, I'm yours. And if he says, if you can give me five point five, I'm yours. Yeah, I'll go with Deontay. I'll go. I think Deontay is a better running back. But you don't want the receiving, though? That's that's kind of what you need, though. That's kind of what you're lacking. Drafting one. That's what I would want to do. If you're going to use three running backs, according to Deuce Staley, and I, right, I, so your I believe him. You're taking I'm taking one in the draft. Over Singletary. Because I'm just yes. saying if you had to choose, if, if Foreman was not on the roster and he wanted the same money Singletary wanted, which one would you sign? I'd go for Foreman. Okay. I think Foreman... That he's a really good runner. Like that's the thing. I'm not. I agree. I, I'm not. I, I absolutely want somebody that can help out in third downs. But I, I am going to take Deontay Foreman with how physical he is, and he's very good on first and second. That's the thing. I, I do think he's very good on those early downs, and so I would rather pay him, especially at that kind of money. And then, you know, in this scenario, right, I am baking into the cake that I'm drafting a guy a little bit later on. All right. Well, let's go to the second. Fitty Flash of the day. Well, guys, it was a good sports weekend in the Carolinas. The Heels won, State lost, the Hornets won as well. It would have been great had Charlotte FC won in their uh, season opener on Saturday. They fell one nothing to New England. They conceived a goal with, or in the 89th minute, but they put 69,000 fans in the stands on Saturday despite the god awful weather we had. What does back-to-back years putting nearly 70,000 fans or more in that stadium do for the momentum of soccer here in the Queen setting? Yeah, I think people are very excited about it for good reason. And I, th- I think the fact that they were in the playoff race so late, and at some point we had kind of gained the expectation, hey, this team could really make the postseason. And eventually it got too hard like the last month of the regular year. But the fact that they came in and they were winning some games. This is not a team that was just doing the whole expansion team, get destroyed every single night out so the fact that you kind of hit the ground running it sets you up for success in the opener year two and it's a really fun time plus i heard willie p talking with kyle bailey just last week this team is going to be more exciting it maybe they were better defensively last year but offensively you can expect some higher scoring games so if that's the case and you get a more entertaining product even if you sacrifice some defense i think that also allows you to provide that cushion for bringing people in to the stadium You'd like to see concessions handled better. Saw quite a bit of complaints on Twitter surrounding the concessions and, and whatnot, so hopefully that's better. But, yeah, it's awesome to see them have such a great turnout. Well, aren't you Lexi Lawless with your soccer analysis? Very, very shallow. Yeah, I see that. Uh, <laughs> I think the key for them is going to be winning because I think last year was the very first game in history. This year is the very first game of the second game. But I think that uh, it will wear off quickly if they don't win games because – you know, this is a town that, like I said, when the Panthers aren't winning, the, the, the stands are empty. Fans are walking out third quarter. So I definitely don't think they'll have much patience for soccer if they're not winning. I agree. That's all I got. Yeah, we'll see. All right. <laughs> we will go into the next break discussing the Charlotte Hornets. They're on a four-game winning streak. It is the longest winning streak that they've had all season. I believe it is doubling the previous longest winning streak, which means Willie P's hair is in danger. If you haven't heard, we'll talk about it coming up in the next segment. Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ.
It's Weston Walker on Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. Providing some soccer analysis. Providing hockey analysis later to the Canes <laughs> play tonight. Uh, I got to look. Well, what's going to happen is you got to look. I'm not going to say the Hurricanes play when it gets to what's on tap. I'm going to try to move on. You're going to say, hold on, hold on. Yeah. You got to give the Canes some love. Yeah. But at 145. I mean, it should already be written in. I mean, we do write it. You in. don't even know. We got to write in. No, but I'm just saying when you do, you do what's on tap. So if you're doing that, you should start checking for the Canes. Wow. He just sunk a bat. He just sunk a trash basket too. Like he did that and then shot like as a mic drop and then swished it like crumpled up a piece of paper and then just threw it in there to nail it. After following up his take on Charlotte FC, the key for them mm-hmm. is to win soccer games. Let and me put it. Let me put it in. What's the key to hockey games? What was? So what I'm saying is that's how you sound when you laugh. So what I was saying was that we know, like, in the what was it, the Hornets' first seven, eight years, they won the attendance uh, record. They won it a million years yeah, in a row. Yeah, and they weren't a good team. So I was saying that as far as the FC goes, I feel like it's a bit of a novelty for a lot of the fans around here to where they're excited about it because it's something new and shiny. But if they're not winning games, those crowds are going to go down really quick. And I said they had the big crowd the first game last year because it was the very first one. Then they had a, a decent season, so they're going to be excited again for two, and it was the it thing to do on Saturday. But if they don't win, those crowds are going to dwindle down very quickly because I said that I don't think that the fans here in Charlotte already don't have much patience for the uh, NFL and NBA teams here. So if a major league <laughs> soccer team isn't that good, those crowds are definitely going to be looking a little rough if they're not winning games. Thank All right, you, sir. Uh, we are getting people in the Garage Door Guru text line telling us the Canes do not play tonight. They uh, do not. Uh, yep, you, you're saying you, they play Wednesday, correct? And then we can put it in what's on tap on Wednesday? Yeah, we can. All right, well, that'll be, that'll be ready to go. We'll just put in the Hurricanes game, and we will be ready to go for what's on tap on Wednesday, baby. We will have Black Ice, the Wasaya, a.k.a. West, West Gretzky. Gretzky. They got oh. a good game, too. Golden Knights, 10 o'clock TNT. Why is that a good game? The Golden Knights are really good, man. And then uh, they're 35-18-6, and then it's going to be a 10 o'clock game on TNT. It's not going to be just on Bally's. You'll be able to watch them on Big Dog TV, TNT. All right, we'll provide more analysis on Wednesday about yeah. the Carolina Hurricanes. <laughs> I will provide a little more analysis, though, on the Charlotte Hornets team. They do play tonight. They're playing against the Detroit Pistons. One of the bottom four teams in all of the NBA and one of the bottom two teams, along with Charlotte, in the Eastern Conference. What's interesting is that Charlotte has a four-game winning streak. They have not been on a four-game winning streak yet this season until now. Post-All-Star break, back-to-back, doesn't matter. Charlotte getting the job done, thanks to guys like Mark Williams, who went for 18 points and 20 rebounds. And that guy looks awesome ever since he's entered the rotation. So Wes says, this has been a season, been pretty dark. Lots of bad things happened off of the court and even on the court, whether you talk about injuries, whether you talk about Miles Bridges' arrest, whether you talk about James Booknight not blossoming at all, really, in his second season in the NBA. Mark Williams, as soon as he has been entered into now the starting lineup and even the rotation, what a dominant performance from him against Miami. What do you make of what Mark Williams has been able to do? I mean, I love what I'm seeing. His fourth double-double of the season. And as I said earlier, the first 15-20, and I mean 15-point, 20-rebound performance by Charlotte Hornets rookie since Zoe 
had 36 and 22 against Detroit back in 93. So that was a historic performance by him. And uh, his first oh, first performance or two, he had a, uh, some historic uh, type of feat he had a in seven. that one as well. I think it was field goals and something like that. But um, you love what you see from Mark Williams. You drafted him in the lottery. You want to be able to see that you invested well in this pick. Uh, and this was a guy I feel like some people may even be surprised what they're getting from him uh, offensively. The fact that you are – he's had three of his last four games with 12-plus points, 36 boards in the last three ball games for him. And I think that people look at the points that they get from him as a cherry on top because a lot of people looked at him as kind of a rim runner, a garbage man type of guy, get a lot of his buckets, which he does. Mm-hmm. But he's got great hands, which I think is really underrated about him. He catches the ball very well down in there, and uh, he knows what to do with it once – he gets a very efficient player, man, and he looks like, you know, he's got the makings of being one of the better young players in the association as his career unfolds. Seven offensive rebounds for Mark Williams. You're right. There was a lot of trash points there, gathering up some missed shots and then putting right. it back. But here's the thing about Mark Williams. He's a presence, and that is something that Charlotte has not had at the center position in quite some time. Mm-hmm. Even with an Al Jefferson, who was an offensive presence, who was just an absolute beast down low with the post moves and all NBA season in a Bobcat uniform. Quite literally the only season we've seen like that before. Okay. But defensively, we'd needed a center for a very long time with all due respect to God Zeller, Cody Zeller himself, Mm. who we saw in this game, by the way, playing for Miami, which was very weird to see him in a heat Jersey with all due respect to Cody. Mark Williams is dunking on people. He is playing volleyball up atop the trees where nobody else can get it. Charlotte has a guy that they can put at the five spot, and he's the tallest player on the court. Charlotte's not going small. Miami with Bam Adebayo, they're small, and Charlotte is able to play some bully ball. So that's awesome to see. The fact that you have a presence, somebody that will swat your bleep into the next row Uh if he needs to, protecting the paint, that's what's fantastic. Plus, the chemistry with him and LaMelo starting to develop a little bit. And I think that's a lot to do with Mark Williams starting to learn the offensive game more so than LaMelo and Mark just trying to develop chemistry, if that makes sense, because Mm -hmm. that kind of indicates both guys need to figure each other out. I really think it's Mark figuring out the offensive pick and roll game where little slow rolling to the basket. Part of that is probably him being seven one tough to get out of the blocks on, on a set pick, but also that's just him understanding the game and You mentioned those great hands. Steve Clifford has discussed that a ton. So that's going to help him out quite a bit if the pass is just a little off target, which oftentimes it's not for LaMelo. Yeah, man, I love that two-man game, embracing each other, going off of the court. Very cool to see those guys go. I mean, he's the perfect type of point guard to play with. I mean, LaMelo's a guy that's going to get him at least three to four easy baskets per game minimum because, like I said, Mark Williams is athletic enough to run the floor Then, like I said, he's going to clean up missed shots, getting those offensive rebounds. You hope to see that continue because those most of his games, the rebound has been in the single digits. So you want to see him get more prolific there. But as far as just a point guard, it's going to be able if he runs the floor, Melo's going to reward him. And I think he can get at least six to ten points per game just off Melo assist alone. So he is in a perfect position. I'm sure that he is loving 
uh, playing with number one out there. 704 said, bleep that talk. Garbage points are points. So refreshing to see some offensive rebounds. Right, just trash yeah, points, yeah, garbage I, points. That's just a saying. Um, no, I'm, I'm totally here for all of the garbage points. People grabbing the offensive rebound, the shot right. That's perfect for Mark. And then Jack said this. I like this text. We haven't had a legit center since Al and like 30 games of Dwight Howard, <laughs> which is true. Right. We saw a 30-30 performance against Brooklyn. That was pretty nuts when Dwight was here. We saw a 29-13 performance against Golden State when the Warriors were out here winning championships like that. So we did see about 30 games from Dwight Howard and Mark Williams. The future is bright. You're, you're hoping that he can continue this type of play. Now, I'm also hoping they can continue this type of play because Willie P and his hair color is on the line. Here's Willie P agreeing to a deal at the beginning of the season regarding dyeing his hair. Sam Farber wants to dye my hair blue if <laughs> the Hornets go on a five-game win streak a la Kai Jones. Number one, should we do that? And number two, can I pull off the Kai Jones blue hair look? I think you can. I mean, Kai's playing it off, so well, well, look, can't you? The, the thing is, though, you guys have to go on a five-game winning streak at any point throughout the season. So I know you – I don't know if Willie's hair is your big point of motivation, but maybe you just work that in. I don't yeah, know if you keep a journal, anything sure. like that, but you can write that in there and you can say, hey, Willie P's hair is going to be blue if we win. I just want that to be your responsibility. I'm putting that on you. Yeah, the, the night we win our fifth game in a row. Yes. It has to be blue. Yeah, All right, yeah, there you go. Invite me in the locker room and do the dive, <laughs> dive right there. Okay, I, I had forgotten a couple of those details at the very end. So can we get Willie P post-game against Detroit tonight at the Spectrum Center walking into the locker room where they can either dye his hair themselves or he can already come in with the hair blue ready to go and party with the Charlotte Hornets? What do we do here with Willie P? I'd rather see them do it. I'd rather see them do it. I I think they'd be okay with it. They'd mess it all up, though. Like, they would just throw the dye at his face. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> it wouldn't would, hurt. I, I, I want to see that. How would you rather see Willie P start to look like Kai Jones a little bit? The best part is this all aligns. The Hornets are at home. Willie P does post game for Knocking the, on wood. So he does it from Spectrum Center. So we could just say bleep the post game show. And we should just air <laughs> we should just air them dyeing his hair on the air for the postgame coverage as opposed to him breaking down, you know, the box score talking to Sam Farber, because that's what the people want to hear, right? Well, and, and you're right about it lining up perfectly because it's post wedding season. Mm -hmm. He got to go on his honeymoon, he got to do the deed, he didn't have to go up to the altar with blue hair. It's all said and good. Like we're done. He's got some free time to go ahead and plus Charlotte FC has blue in their team colors as well. It all makes so much sense. I'm excited, of course, hoping the Hornets get this win. The first thing he said when we got off the air Saturday night with the Charlotte FC game was, the Hornets won again? And I was like, yes. And his <laughs> wife was in the room, and she looks at him like, why is this a bad thing? And he goes, my hair might be blue on Tuesday if they win on Monday night. It's against Detroit as well. Wow. Like This is setting up. But they're 0-2 against Detroit so uh, far right. this season. Do you feel like that's a bad sign, or is that a sign of things to come? Like, it's Detroit. And Charlotte used to own them. I mean, they went on, like, a 17-game winning streak against Detroit before these last two they dropped. I feel like they're kind of due. I'm knocking on wood. I want this to happen. I'm getting rid of all the bad karma. He joins us tomorrow at 145, too. Oh, he's doing it in studio if his hair's blue as well. I mean, I want him in studio regardless, but he's in studio if that hair is different. <laughs> He better do it in the morning, if not tonight. 704-570-9610. Feel free to join us in the last hour of Wes and Walker. Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ.